listening to Dairy Voice, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry. One of our sponsors of the Dairy Voice podcast is National DHIA. NDHIA ensures information accuracy and represents their members' interests. They are the direct voice for the dairy information industry. To find out more, go to dhia.org. I'm speaking today with a young dairyman that uh, I actually met a number of years ago when he was brand new getting started on his own dairy operation as a very young man. Even Lemos is from Turlock, California. He dairies on his own. He's had family support. Neven, uh, welcome to Dairy Voice. Glad to be speaking with you again. Hi, thanks, Joel. Uh, great to be here. Why don't we start back uh, a couple of years ago when you had the ambition and you wanted to, uh, well, while you were working well with your family, you wanted to give it a go on your own. Just, just tell us how you got started and kind of how things have been going. So I'm a fourth generation dairy farmer here in uh, Waterford, California. I was working with my dad on our home dairy where he milks uh, 500 Holsteins. Um, and then after I graduated high school, I attended Modesto Junior College um, and studied dairy science, uh, where I did that for two years. And then I took an internship in New Zealand and milked cows there. I connected with a, uh, with a dairy family through the, uh, the WOOF program. And uh, I stayed there for a couple months and learned some things and a uh, different style of dairying uh, and rotational grazing. And uh, that was uh, really interesting and broadened my perspective of dairying, not just on a, um, uh, a local level, what I'm used to, but an international level and uh, learning some different perspectives. Um, and then once I returned home to California, I had already had a business plan put in place and a pretty close vision of what I wanted to accomplish, uh, but the particulars weren't quite nailed down. Once I returned, I, I shortly, uh, shortly after I returned, I was able to secure my lease on the dairy I had my eye on, our, our neighbor's dairy, five miles down the road from my, from my parents' place. I took out a loan with Yosemite Farm Credit to... Uh, start purchasing cattle and equipment to uh, to accomplish that because as a young dairyman I, I was 20 years old when I started as a young dairyman uh, needed a little bit of, a little bit of help getting started um, so I offered I had this whole business plan drawn up and I offered um, a percentage of, of the business in order for uh, for my dad to uh, to sign on that loan so a little bit of venture capitalism to help me get going. I was uh, purchasing first lactation fresh cows, uh, all Jersey, from the Turlock Livestock Auction through their video sale program, um, which I was very, very pleased with. They had such high-quality cows coming from good reputation dairies in Turlock and Hillmar, um, very consistent, clean. So then I, I was buying about 50 head a month until I got up to about 450 so to make my milking herd 400 milking and dry so that took that took a while that took uh, about a year to uh, acquire all those cattle because they're first lactation fresh cows so I was trying to stagger them out um, to where I didn't have uh, a big hole with my um, dry off and repro 
slowly built up a uh, fully cycling herd and i'm now four years four years in uh actually this month in june and now i have a full uh replacement stock um, i was breeding the sex semen on the on all the cows in the beginning eventually as i started to get more and more uh, young stock i i bred some of the older cows and uh, lower end cows to uh, angus to get a more value-added calf that i could market other than breeding to uh, conventional Jersey semen and getting a bull calf, you know, half the time. The uh, the sex semen has worked out really good. I implement a double off-sync program, uh, which has been very successful along with uh, a great breeder. Uh, I have a route breeder with uh, ABS and that's all been going very well that helped me build this replacement herd. So now I'm in pretty secure position and, and cycling uh, pretty much like the everyone else. Just now trying to iron out a few of the little holes that come along with building a herd in this way. I would do it all again the same way. Uh, really helped the, uh, the cash flow in the beginning, only having lactating cows and no young stock to support. So that helped me build up a little bit of working capital um, in order to uh, cash flow myself and get some residual to uh, eventually afford being able to feed those young stock. Well, that's a, that's a great story uh, on, on how you had your plan and you started to execute your plan. Tell us, tell us about the facilities that you have right now. How do you, uh, how do you handle your herd? Like I said, I milk uh, 400 cows. I have a double six herringbone milking parlor. Uh, the whole facility was definitely designed for Holsteins. So I had to uh, make a few modifications as far as like indexing the milk barn to fit properly. I have all free stalls for the milking cows, uh, three rows of free stalls in each. So I have plenty of free stalls in my free stall to stanchion ratio. So I have more than enough free stalls. So I've got two high strings and a low string. My low string is uh, obviously my pregnant tail ender cows that they'll go dry and move over to the dry pen and in my dry pen that's just a um it's all covered but i have a open lot underneath and then i have the close-ups just right next to them it's very compact plenty of plenty of space but it's a compact facility to where everything was built pretty efficiently it's a it's an efficient operation um, and that's what you really want to look for in when you're leasing a dairy is that it's all set up. You know, some, sometimes facilities that have been built onto uh, over the years can have, can have a few things that create inefficiencies as, you know, things were just built on for space and as, as needed. But so this little, this little dairy um, is built pretty well. Um, so it allows me to be, be fairly lean on labor as I do a lot of the work myself. And, uh, so it's a, it's a nice layout. The only thing that is a struggle that wasn't so much in the beginning because I didn't have the, the support stock, the young stock, is uh, there's no heifer facility on the, uh, on the premise. The calves, the calves are sent to a calf ranch, but they were going to my dad's dairy um, when they hit four months. Kind of run out of room there, so I am sending them to a custom heifer raiser, so that adds a financial strain. Aside from that, the actual dairy itself does run very efficiently. 
You mentioned that you've got kind of a lean and mean crew, but I think uh, I recall you saying that you did have uh, a couple of employees. What have you learned about uh, working with your team? Yeah, so I have I have three full-time employees and then myself. So I have, it's a, it's a six and two schedule and I'm in the rotation. Just to give you an idea kind of how it, it works, the mechanics of it. And I have one house on the place that um that comes with the dairy and my night milker lives there that was that was definitely the deal i wanted my uh my night milker within walking distance so i i provide that house and um, added with the that's the kind of reliability i really wanted in that position didn't want to have so he'll uh, work did, didn't want to have a phone call about a car breakdown at, at the start of night exactly milking, right? <laughs> exactly i Wanted to know he was 10 steps away from the milk barn. There you go. So I reserved that that one house for uh, for him. So that's worked out really well. And he's been with me since the beginning. Yeah, I hired him before, before I had any cows. Uh, he helped me get the place cleaned up. And so he's been with me over four years now. And then, so he'll work six days, uh, or six nights rather, and then have two off. And then my daytime milker, which drives in, uh, he'll work six days straight and then two off. And then I have one guy that gives the, the days off. So he relieves everyone. So he'll work two nights. And then for the other guy, he'll work two days. And then he'll uh, he'll give me two days off. So he'll feed for two days, um, which doesn't really uh, mean that I'm off because I'll, I'll be here anyway, uh, giving shots in the morning or you know, I kind of need the help when he's feeding for uh, to dry cows and things like that. So it works out pretty good, though. Getting started, uh, I presume, you know, you tell me, but do you sell your Jersey milk to, to Hillmark Cheese? And if so, were they happy to have another shipper? And how is that? How is your milk marketing handled? Yeah, so you're correct. I do send my milk to Hillmark Cheese. And they've been just great to work with especially as a Jersey producer. Um, you know, I, I have had several conversations with them at, at Hillmar Cheese um, about Jersey milk and, and the value it really does have for them. It does, it, it makes their plant more efficient, which is part of the reason they can, you know, offer more for the milk. Not only does it make the plant more efficient just because there's less water in it, but it does have the, you know, the boosted components that, uh, pound for pound can make more cheese. So at the time I got started, it was relatively easy uh, to get a milk contract. That changes from year to year, uh, most definitely. These days, it, it's pretty tough to get a milk contract if uh, if a person wanted one. So, you know, you just have to timing. It, it uh, It's all about timing with that. You know, when I uh, got started, I had to uh, pay quite a bit for those cows that I purchased. But at the same time, the milk contract availability was there. So you had kind of a supply and demand on both ends of that as far as the demand for milk. So the demand for cattle was up at that same time. As right now, the value of cattle is lower, but the uh, the demand for the milk contracts isn't isn't there, so sometimes you have to uh, know that you're in it for the long haul and can be willing to pay a little more for cattle, 
um, if it means getting that opportunity. And, you know, not everything lines up at the same time. Uh, this lease was available and uh, everything kind of lined up. So sometimes you have to make some sacrifices to, to make it happen in the end. You know, everything's not going to be perfect. Um, so sometimes you have to make some compromises for what you know is going to pay off long term. I'm interested that while you were raised with Holsteins, your business plan called for jerseys. Just talk a little bit, a little bit about that decision. Yeah, so so as I mentioned earlier, I'm a fourth generation dairyman. So generations one through three have always been Holsteins. And I, I definitely have a love for the Holstein breed. I showed Holsteins on 4-H growing up. But as far as my business plan, I felt a particular conviction about the jerseys in the way of looking to the future of dairy business. And I have seen it, uh, the demand shifting a little bit away toward or away from fluid milk and more towards solids, uh, you know, cheese and yogurt. And so the jerseys excel in that way. And there was also some things that I found particularly uh, advantageous about the jerseys in respects to uh, feed efficiency, uh, reproduction efficiency, transition efficiency and freshening, you know, calvings, calvingese, a lot of an- advantageous things that I saw in the Jersey breed, but not necessarily having the experience with the jerseys. So there's definitely a learning curve getting in and a little bit of a leap of faith to say, okay, I'm going to see how this Jersey thing turns out. After four years, I've uh, been nothing but happy with the jerseys. So it's definitely panned out in my direction. Give us a little idea of the production levels and the milk quality that you're able to uh, attain now. So in regards to production, um, I'm running on a year average, just about a 13% cheese yield, maybe a little bit under. Um, So that's about a five and a... That's about a five and a four on uh, fat and protein. So then milk quality, when I first started as far as somatic cell count, when I first started, I was all first lactation fresh cows. So you got to look a little, a little, you got to expand your, your vision on this a little bit because there <laughs> needs to be some tolerance for how this is. Because when I first started, it was all first lactation fresh cows. So I was always under 100,000 somatic cell. So I was running, you know, 70 or 80,000. So milk quality was phenomenal. Um, and it's still decent. It's good. Um, but you have to think about, so when I first started, it took about a year to build the herd. So I had a year spread of first lactation fresh cows a year after that, okay, now they're all seconds for the most part. And then now they're all thirds. So I have at the moment kind of a split in my herd. I don't have a whole lot of second lactation cows. I have a lot of firsts, or I have about a third first lactation in my herd and about two thirds of three plus. So at the moment, I'm running about 180 to 200 somatic cell. So it's a little on the high side, would definitely like to be uh, 150 or less. 
so as I say, you know, as the, and I've got a lot of heifers due to calf coming in. So I'm anticipating, uh, you know, my call rate's going to go up as, uh, as I have the replacement stock coming in. So there's kind of a little bump to get over, a little speed bump. So, you know, I've got about a 20% call rate at the moment. So I've been holding on to a lot of cows, you know, waiting for those, for those young heifers to come in. So it's not quite a full cycling herd, but it's getting real close. I would say the way my whole business model, how it all came to fruition, it, it's a five-year thing to get, you know, from beginning purchasing those first lactation fresh cows to end result having an evenly spread herd of first, second, third plus lactation and having a full support stock. So I would say I'm about a year away from achieving that. Sure. I don't believe we talked about your feeding program, and I will assume, and having uh, been at your place when you were initially getting started, you're, you're not farming. You must be buying your feed. Talk a little bit about how that goes. The, the way the lease works is I lease the dairy facility, and the, the owner of the dairy uh, farms the corn and, and sells it back to me. It's not mandatory. I don't have to take the corn if I don't want to, but we always tend to work out a fair deal. And um, I've been buying the corn every year. There's uh, 51 acres of corn and oats here on the dairy. Beings that, beings that my young stock and heifers are not here on location. I haven't been purchasing the oats or winter forage that's been going over to my dad. So he's five miles away. So the, the haul isn't too bad to get it over there. So he's been purchasing that. And I've been purchasing the corn silage every year. Um, and he also farms an additional piece just down the road. So I've been purchasing that too. So all in all, that comes to about 2,200 ton of corn silage uh, that we put up. So that's a little bit of a, uh, <laughs> that's a little bit of a, a bill every year. So you got to be ready for that. And then, so aside from that, the corn silage, that's kind of how that works. I use Pine Creek Nutrition Service, and they're great in helping me formulate the rations. So um, in addition to the corn silage, I'll feed, uh, you know, high TDN test alfalfa hay. That's coming from Nevada. And then uh, as a filler, I'll feed rice straw. And then got some protein in the form of canola and corn gluten pellet and uh, whole cotton seed. And then for some energy, uh, starch, got uh, rolled corn uh, and then some sugar. Got uh, I feed whey. See, we got some palm fat and calcium salt. I feed some Diamond VXP uh, just to help with gut health. And then I have a custom milk cow mineral um, that's, also, that's also put in there. Sure. Um, yeah. I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. Uh, I know that uh, your family, particularly your mom, has been involved in dairy promotion activities for a long time. And then I recently saw you on a press conference. You were speaking about the checkoff organization's efforts to reach out to Gen Zers uh, and gamers. I was fascinated to see you there. Just, just tell us a little bit about that experience. So that was, that was a good experience. So, uh, yeah, my mom uh, works a lot with uh, CMAB, uh, California Milk Advisory Board, and DMI as well. 
she has a Facebook page for the dairies, the Lockwood Three Dairy and Lemus Jerseys Facebook page. And she regularly posts, you know, educational and just some fun things about the dairy. And she's got quite a few followers on, on it. So from the community and even out of state and even uh, out of country, people have just caught on to it. And um, so it's been a very positive thing um, just to help promote the dairy business and how much we care for our cows and uh, some of the day-to-day things on the dairy. So then working with DMI, um, they ran this promotion called Beat the Lag, uh, which I participated in. Um, so lag, as they explained, was DMI's check off. They're reaching the, uh, in this particular campaign, reaching the gamer community. So as they were saying, lag is when a game due to a, a slow connection or a glitch, it, it will uh, kind of freeze up and, and be slow. Um, so it kind of messes up the game. Um, so in this promotion, they're relating that to human nutrition and taking care of ourselves and consuming nutritious foods like dairy to help our bodies beat the lag. So that's that analogy they're making there. So we worked with a couple of YouTube influencers. One of them is a, a video game influencer, and the other is a baker. So she works with dairy products all the time and was very excited to uh, to learn more. So I took the two of them on a virtual tour, virtual farm tour. They're located in L.A., so... It was both because of a, a logistical issue to uh, to drive up and also due to the pandemic with the social distancing. So we, because uh, I've, I've done tours on the farm before with schools. And um, so I definitely like having people here in person, but it was, uh, it was very interesting to do a virtual tour. So it was, I think it was on Zoom and I showed them around the dairy. I explained how everything works and took them just on a walking tour of the dairy and they asked questions they were great they uh, they really enjoyed it at the end they um, did a contest with their fans to make a dairy-based uh, recipe and so they did a big live show with uh, with their fans to announce the winners of that competition and it was all based around dairy and they talked about my farm and what they learned. And um, so overall, I think it was a really positive experience. And I think it's important for Dairy Checkoff to uh, prioritize uh, the Gen Zers and as they're our next generation um, that are going to be consuming. Uh, you know, from a, from a dairyman's perspective, uh, a dairyman doesn't have to be too much of a salesman, you know, that we... I have pretty much one customer that I sell my milk to. Um, I definitely don't take for granted or underestimate the value of marketing my product because, you know, it's always valuable to educate people and um, support the, the idea and ethics behind what we do and how hard we work and for, for a high-quality, nutritious product. Um, so I think it's really important to educate people. And if we can work in collaboration with these influencers that do have 
a lot of pull with their audience, um, I think that's a, a good strategic move. And those are really big audiences too. In some cases, uh, these gamers have uh, millions of followers. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's great. And I was uh, fascinated to uh, see how that campaign unfolded and, and hear about your part in it. Well, Neven, we've, uh, I really appreciate the conversation we've had today. And um, it looks like we've got to wind it up here for this episode. But uh, I thank you very much for sharing your story and giving us the update. Yeah, happy to be here, Joel. Thanks. We've been speaking today with uh, Neven Lemos uh, from Waterford, California, in the Turlock, California area. He's a uh, Jersey dairyman, and uh, he's got a great story about how he got started not that long ago as a young man. Neven, thank you very much. This is your host, Joel Hastings, for Dairy Voice, and you can find us at dairybusiness.com. <laughs>